0: Hey, guys, quick plug for our podcast sponsor, Huber Engineered Woods. These guys are the makers of Zip System Sheathing and Advantech Decking, both of which I've used for a long time. Gosh, I switched to Advantech Decking way, way long before really there was the Build Show. I think I probably started using them about 2006 or 7 after I had an issue with, with a more standard or commodity product. I've never gone back again. It's been an amazing system. Uh, and now they have things like a squeak-free guarantee if you use Advantech and their glue. And then when it comes to zip system sheathing, you know, honestly, when this first came onto the market, I was a bit of a detractor. I did not think that this was a quality product that I should be using. But after seeing the testing that was done really like a mile from here at the University of Texas Construction Durability Lab, and seeing how other products that were intended to do water and air proofing on the outside of a house fared at that durability lab, I really was convinced that, man, this this ZIP product, incredibly well thought out, all the uh, components that go along with it are engineered perfectly, and really this is a bomber, bomber product. And if you watched any of the videos, I used it on my house exclusively. All of the exterior of my house was all ZIP system sheathing. Uh, and roof decking as well. So with that being said, big thanks to Huber, uh, who makes amazing products. And let's get back to today's podcast.
1: Hi, this is Steve Leeson. Welcome to the Build Show podcast with Matt Reisinger. However, as you can tell, I'm not Matt, but I occasionally pinch hit for him. This is an interesting uh, podcast I think we're going to have today. as part of our ongoing series on the business of building. And that's one of the things that I get involved with uh, most frequently. And uh, I'd like to ha- introduce our host, Benji Carlson from Breakthrough Academy. Hi, Benji. Look, what we're going hey, to talk about today uh, <clears throat> is uh, I think I-, I can tell you uh, in my role in the company as a uh, really responsible for the day-to-day operations of our business and our businesses, uh, something that is top of mind. I'm sure to all those builders and subcontractors out there is what's going to happen, uh, in the economy and the economic environment. Uh, you know, certainly if you listen to anything that ranges, uh, from, uh, typical newscasting to all of the pundits in the financial media, everyone is concerned. And it's been a rough year. The stock market is down for the year. Interest rates are not only up, but at the most recent meeting, Chairman Powell of uh, the Federal Reserve uh, made the comment that fighting inflation is job one and they will continue to raise interest rates, even if it's painful in order to fight inflation. Well, when interest rates go up, financing costs for mortgage bor- borrowers go up. And sometimes a house that they were planning to buy is no longer affordable. Uh, The second thing that can happen is that uh, sometimes as these problems begin to surface, uh, you'll then start to see houses that perhaps you were selling at one price point are starting to sit, and you might Mm. be having a concern that you're going to have inventory if you're a spec home builder, whether you're an infill spec builder, or uh, you build entire neighborhoods. Look, we don't know where all this is going. Uh, the one thing I know is we've been there before. And every time you go into one of these time frames, uh, it's, it's something I told Matt today. I said, don't wait till you're in the problem to try to fix the problem because that's a terrible, I mean, you, you may be fighting for the life of your business for all we know. That's a terrible time to start getting ready for a financial downturn. We're in a cyclical industry. And so we to always be mindful and ready for a change in the business environment. And that's what we're here to talk with Benji about today. But before we do that, I'd like him to introduce himself further and talk a little bit about Breakthrough Academy.
2: Yeah, hey, Steve. um, Really excited to be here today, and thanks for having us on. Um, so, we partnered up with uh, with Build Show earlier this year, and uh, so we're, we're partners with you guys, and absolutely loving it. Having a blast, kind of playing in the content world with you guys. A quick blurb on who we are and what we do. I think will make the conversation that follows make a bit more sense, so you kind of know where we're coming from on this. Um, In its simplest form, Breakthrough Academy systemizes construction businesses for growth. We work with just under 500 contractors all over North America. We help them build the infrastructure that their business needs to scale. uh, And we work on things from financial tracking and budgeting to Uh, hiring and recruiting to developing an organizational structure that makes sense to training and onboarding systems, all of the behind the scenes operational stuff that becomes really quite challenging as you hit certain thresholds of business. We've built a platform that helps entrepreneurs uh, systemize that that part of their business much quicker with the support of a coach. And it's done with peers in the form of our, our large community, which keeps growing every year. So we could get into lots more, but, but that, you know, in in a few sentences in a nutshell, that's, that's what breakthrough Academy does.
1: Well, I know that's been very helpful for those people that have engaged with you and we're excited to have you on the build show and on this podcast today, let's jump in here. And I think the thing we should emphasize is look, uh, Before you started listening to this podcast today, you probably were really busy. If you're a home builder or a specialty subcontractor, you had plenty of things on your plate. Uh, As we came out of the pandemic and sort of entered the endemic phase, the demand for housing continued to grow. And a lot of us have uh, backlogs of work ahead of us that we're, we're burning off every day. And so we were all really busy and now we're really mm-hmm. busy in an environment where I'll, t- I'll give you an example at our company, we've had two uh, jobs projects that uh, were unable to uh, start on time because they were unable to obtain financing. And these are mm-hmm. projects that we had multiple months of investment in mm-hmm. Uh Uh, of our time and our energy. And, you know, someday we may end up doing those projects. Uh, But in the meantime, we are starting to see kind of what I'd say the first waves breaking over the bow of the ship uh, of what's going on in our industry. So let's, let's try to give you four or five simple things that you can take right now and start getting ready just in case mm-hmm. this gets to be a tough downturn. Uh, yeah. Why don't you take us through a couple of those? We'll talk about them a little bit, Benji.
2: Yeah, sure. So I, I think um where this conversation comes from, and the reason I'm excited to have it with you is, is I we have noticed with the members that we coach, uh, the comments and questions we get on social media the comment threads on youtube when i literally am on the road speaking to people in person at conferences and trade shows there's lots of questions coming up with with builders and contractors and uh, trades businesses <coughs> broadly speaking right like like the 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 um the commentary often includes this is what i hear Um, look like this endless money printing that's been happening over the last five years. And especially in the last two, like what the heck is going to happen there? Right? Like since the start of COVID there's about 9 trillion with a T in stimulus that was printed and injected. Some estimates have that at about 22% of the entire money supply of USD globally. Um, Some estimates have it higher. That's led to inflation, which we've all observed over the last, year uh in particular if you run a construction business, which I'm sure you do if you're listening to this podcast, you likely have a fleet of vehicles that you need to fill up on a, you know, a couple of times a week. You're definitely noticing it there. Uh, really interesting thing on this on the on the inflation front too, Steve. Um, that CPI, like that consumer price index basket, when they say it's, oh, it's eight, eight point five percent, nine percent, it's really high, that doesn't even include real estate or hard assets. So we're talking about a bundle of goods that doesn't include real estate. So it's it's actually probably quite a bit higher uh if you're if you're factoring in some of those other large parts of a, a family's or a household expenses, mainly the mortgage. Um, And then most recently you have sort of this, this rise in interest rates, right? So January, 2022 prime is at 3.25 currently uh, it's at 5.5 and sounds like there's going to be more coming. Um, So you look at any chart, like you said, a minute ago, you look at any chart, the S&P 500, you look at real estate prices, you look at crypto, you look at whatever, if you're looking at aggregate numbers, you're going to see a lot of red right now. And that has people nervous. Now, I want to be like really clear before we dive into some practical points uh, and just say this. I'm not an economist, and even the best economists in the world seem to get this wrong. No one has a crystal ball. I'm not telling you what is going to happen. I More what I want to share today, what I'm excited to pick your brain on as well, Steve, is like these are the things I think a smart business owner would be doing to prepare for the worst while hoping for the best. So we're not saying, we're not making a prediction. I'm not making a forecast. I'm not saying that this will happen. I'm saying if it did happen, these are some things you could do to put your mind at ease in the meantime. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely.
1: And you know, uh, my role uh, with Matt's companies is chief operating officer and our financial organization reports to us uh, and to me. Mm And so I'm very much aware of that. And I can tell you that, look, when times are good and you're running as fast as you can because you've got more business than you can say grace over, you stop focusing on some of those little things that start to add up. Uh, I'll tell you, when I walked in this morning, the first thing I did is I grabbed a bottle of water and I saw that we had, this is going to get, I'll probably get a a lot of notes on this. We've got Topo Chico in that refrigerator, and then we've got the Ozarka water. And I thought, you know, that Topo Chico is a buck a bottle. It's out (laughs) of (laughs) here. That was for. I really
2: like Topo Chico.
1: I like (laughs) Topo Chico too. I'll buy my own. Um, But that's, Mm. you know, one of the first things I think we should talk about is making sure you major on the majors and not the minors. So what is generating revenue and what have you been doing that maybe felt like you were building for the future or doing, uh, it was somehow taking an allocation of your capital or generating more expense, but it hasn't turned out. I think it's time to clear the decks and make sure you're focused on revenue, on profitable revenue generation.
2: Yeah. So that that's one of the first things that that we are having our members do right now is is literally uh it's sort of an exercise in in writing is is get very clear on your revenue drivers versus non-revenue drivers. What's the del- delineation between those two things? What are you doing that truly pays the bills that is your bread and butter versus what are you doing that is a nice to do? Um give you an example. Okay. Uh, Marketing and sales activities that bring you leads, which convert into signed contracts, which you then produce for profit. That's a revenue driver. Uh, Making your website a little more sexy, doing a rebrand, tweaking your onboarding process for new staff. Those are non-revenue drivers. And I'm not saying that those aren't good things. They're absolutely something that you should do. And in fact, Breakthrough Academy—that's that's a huge part of what we help our our, our members implement well. Um, however, there's a t- there's a time and a place for those non-revenue drivers, um, and a lean time, a downturn, a recession, whatever you want to call it, uh, is is not one of those times. So, the central point here is that if you really look at your business and the, and if you examine it carefully, there are actually only a few true profit centers <clears throat> in the business, and there's a much longer list of Tasks and people and initiatives and projects that that are not and so getting really really clear on that with a clear head Like you said at the beginning of this before things really start to go pear-shaped and people are panicking and people are afraid uh, doing this with a clear head is a really really good exercise because uh, What we've seen about our species Steve is that intelligence usually is inversely correlated with emotions meaning when people get when people get riled up, they tend to, uh, they make bad choices. They do dumb things. And so I, you know, like a lot of the points we're going to go through today, this is a preempting exercise. It's something to do before the storm. Um, so that revenue drivers versus revenue drivers piece is a big one. I'll just maybe add a footnote to that point, this idea of a storm. And I, cause I don't want to be too doom and gloom. You know, you mentioned earlier about like the messaging around this. I'm really encouraging people uh, business owners, right now, to try their best to not buy into the overhyped nature around this. Downturns happen, dips happen. The last time anything significant happened was 2008, and to give you some perspective, the iPhone 3G had just come out. So the world of algorithms and clickbaity headlines and sensationalization that we've become accustomed to now, like unfortunately the world we live in um, today, the, the, the media complex that we kind of observe and, and, and consume, magazines social media, YouTube, Facebook, even The Economist, right? <clears throat> They're all incentivized to make whatever it is we're about to go through as scary as possible so that you click on the article or you watch the video so that they can advertise to you and drive revenue in their own business. So yes, the business climate could change. Try not to get stuck into the doom and gloom loop that circulates online and in our media system today. So just a a really, really important point. We have gone through downturns before. We will go through them again. This is the first time we've done it with a supercomputer in our pocket that contains algorithms that are essentially there to scare the shit out of you. Just a good thing to keep in mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the way I would say it is have realistic expectations. And if you think that you have enough business and booked and enough business opportunity coming at you, I still think Mm -hmm. you need to take a more conservative view on that. Uh, just like what happened to us during the pandemic. The impact of the pandemic was every project we had started costing more than we'd estimated and started taking too long to finish because of the availability of resources and materials. Uh, So we just, we, we, we we're, we're pretty much through that. Not, it's not perfect, but we sustained a large expense hit uh, to Quite frankly, our personnel and our supplies and every aspects of our business cost more today. Our electrical bills for our offices are higher. Uh, Our employees are making more money uh, just to keep them even with inflation, much less give them an increase that recognizes their contribution. And so so you have this uh, kind of a two-edged sword, I'd call it. One, one side of it is my expenses are climbing more rapidly than I, I really want them to, right? And at the same time, the, uh, the booked backlog of business is somewhat in jeopardy. And the yeah. next thing I fully expect to find here in the Austin, Texas area is the arrival rate of new opportunities is going to slow down. And this has all the hallmarks of that. I haven't seen that last issue yet, but Austin is a Austin is kind of a different kind of spot compared to most of the country uh, in terms of the number well, so of people our, who are coming in.
2: That's a great point that you just made there, and I it's, it kind of segues well into this this second tactic, if you will, that we should discuss, which is the idea of operating right now with two business plans and two budgets. I hope that most of your listeners operate their business with some semblance of financial controls and annual planning and a budget that they refer back to on a monthly basis to help them make sound financial decisions. By the way, if they don't, if you're listening to this, like, oh man, I really need to do that. Um, we are gonna make available in the description of this show, uh, you can click a link that's gonna give you access to our like budgeting tool. 500 businesses already use it. If you want to like build a really accurate annual budget uh, and you don't want to spend you know hours dinking around in Excel making one, just take ours. It's plug and play. It's our way of saying thanks for listening. It's a really really good place to start. Uh, but but creating two business plans and two budgets is something that we think is a very very smart idea right now. And the second business plan is that Plan B that you're talking about right now, Steve. So it's like what. You know, what would happen, how would your budget change if lead volume dropped by 50%? If in Q2 of 2023, you're just not getting nearly as many calls as you are right now, how does that change things? What if your sales So if you're a builder, custom home builder, let's say, and you enjoy a closing ratio of 40%, which is, which is really healthy, and it drops down to 15%, right? You're having to do way more estimates and proposals and bids to get the same amount of revenue. How does that change your budget? How does it affect your sales plan, your revenue plan, et cetera? The the, the point here that I would like people to really get their head around is if we do shift into a bear market, it becomes a game of getting to the other side, it becomes a game um, of survival to some degree. And in doing that, it would be really smart to embrace the concept of a skeleton crew. One thing that I think really savvy business owners are doing privately, quietly in the privacy of their own mind in their own office, because obviously it's this is, these are tough conversations to have and hard decisions to make, but... With a clear mind, before the storm happens, getting clear on who you need versus who you want on your team. So who are the salespeople and estimators who are absolutely like situation critical? Who are the project managers that drive results reliably? They do work at an exceptional quality. They have a great attitude. You couldn't operate without them. Who's the? Who are the people in the office that are like on that A team versus B team? And drawing a bit of a line in the sand between your own roster right now is something that's obviously challenging and we hope that you don't have to do that, but making the decisions with a clear head is gonna make enacting it that much easier and holding on to people while your business goes bankrupt is much worse for everyone. So that would be something that we're saying right now, two business plans, two budgets, and in doing that, especially that second budget, think through that skeleton crew. Yeah, you know,
1: I hear you. And then let me give you the, the other side of that coin. The other side of that coin is, hey, I've spent 15 years building this company, grooming it, bringing in the people I need to help me run it effectively, dealing with poor performers quickly and ushering them out the door and uh, promoting the people who are helping me get it done and, and deserve it. And mm. I've been working hard to do that. And it's really a painful thought to think that there's some people I could do without. But let me tell you, by the time you reach the point where you have to do it, you want to already have it thought through because look, I get it. Every person in our company is here because we asked them to join us because of our, their ability to contribute. That's the way we all are. We don't, think we have people we can live without. But once again, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to uh, keep the business operating and for the people that are still here. And so it's a very challenging time, very stressful time it can be. And it's going to be stressful on all your employees. So let's add a couple of thoughts to this. Number one, Uh, Let me tell you a couple of things that we do. One is, is we make sure our financials and our business volumes and our backlog are well understood by our entire team. Uh, And our entire team has compensation, has variable compensation, both individually oriented and company oriented uh, associated with our financial results and the results of the projects that they're working on. This does yeah. a couple of things for us. One, it keeps us focused. Number two, uh, this degree of transparency helps people understand that uh, there's not something magic or weird going on behind the uh, behind the curtain or behind the emerald throne. This is just business. But the other thing that you have to think in terms of is is. Uh, I will tell you that across the board this year, our compensation increases to our entire team are very high. So our expenses have gone way up. Back to our first point, what's happening on the expense side? Uh, (laughs) So what do you do about that? People are needing more. Yeah, well, people need it more. And, uh, And so when you have that situation, what I think in terms of, and what I've told our team for a long time now is, is that we keep our bases, uh, our base compensation at market, but not at top of market. And we put our variable compensation up there in order to really be able to achieve earnings growth. And by doing, Mm -hmm. and and what I tell our team is, live on that base, save that variable, or invest that variable. And, by keeping our costs in line with that, should we encounter a situation we were unable to plan for and our revenue and profit plans are are not realizable, um, mm-hmm. our folks will probably not make as much variable comp. At the same time, the company will be able to continue operating. And that's yeah. that's making and, and so my overall message there is make the whole team part of the project here it's mm-hmm. this is not some mm-hmm. secret thing that only you the owner or the senior team are thinking of yeah, um, right. we've all been through these downturns heck max Matt started this company uh, during the 2007 eight time frame which was a tough time yeah, um, yeah. But make the whole team aware of it, and make sure that they understand the strategy of, of how you manage the company.
2: Yeah, I think that open book philosophy is becoming increasingly popular, and 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 you know, progressive. Uh, future minded business owners are adopting it a little bit more liberally. And I think it's, it's, it's not without its faults, but but generally speaking, the feedback, especially from the team, the individuals involved in businesses where that is kind of their, their doctrine uh, has been really successful. Go, going back to my point on this sort of like skeleton crew idea, this is something that you do as an absolute last resort. And the point is not to get excited about coming up with the list of all the people you're excited to fire not at all it's just like when you have the peace of mind to maybe make some of those distinctions it is in your best interest to to do that so that should it get to the point where you need to execute that plan you're not wasting a bunch of time building it it's been done already you've, you've thought through it and you're, you're able to make tough decisions relatively quickly so that that's all now with with that comes another really important point that i'd have business owners consider is there is a cost to trimming the team as well. So on the people and payroll front, right, what are the legal ramifications of jettisoning people should you have to? Again, it's a last resort, but if it comes to that point, do you have an understanding of what it costs to do that? Every province and state is different, so I can't tell you driving around in your truck right now what the rules are where you live, but you can find out pretty quickly, right? Like, talk to an HR consultant, an employment lawyer, Uh, You probably can look it up on your municipal website or your your state website. You know, what is the jurisdiction around severance and tenure? And do you know what it would cost in dollars to let go of the supplementary roles and keep the critical ones that drive sales and production? So that's another expense to maybe just do a little little bit of research on. It wouldn't be one that you're gonna like being, uh, you don't wanna be surprised by that six months or now. You go, oh my goodness, I actually owe this person X amount of months or X amount of years in severance because they worked for me for this long or what have you. So just another good pre uh, preemptive exercise, a little bit of prep work, a little bit of research to do right now.
1: You know, that's a, but it highlights a great point, and And that is preparation. Uh, do you have an employment lawyer and do you have his mobile phone number? Uh, Do you understand, for example, uh, what the issues that you face are if you lay someone off? If you lay someone off in Texas, uh, they become eligible for state-sponsored unemployment insurance. Unemployment insurance is a tax that we pay as a business. Uh, No complaints there about that. I get it. But. You have to understand that it's not just uh, handing somebody two weeks notice and a check. Uh, There are many issues. And also remember that if you are faced with a staff reduction, uh, you got to do it right and you got to do it and you got to be fair or else you're going to impact also the people who are still there. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and quite frankly, um, do it once death by a thousand paper cuts. Terrible. If every month we got to start by having one more empty seat at the dinner table, uh, everybody's going to be walking around thinking there's a target on their back. So, so (laughs) make sure you, that's why we try to keep it very open. Here's the profit plan. Yeah. Here's the impact of our current situation. Here's how we manage to this. Here's how our financials need to look. Um, mm-hmm.
2: and, so you uh, can justify the decisions that you make to the team. You can make the case that this is the right move for the health of the business because there's some transparency baked into the culture of your business. It's not some arbitrary opinion that you've come up with in the middle of the night. You're saying this is why... X decision, as hard as it was, needed to be made. And I suspect um, that 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 makes those conversations a little bit easier. Not easy, but 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 probably well, yeah, easier it has to be, for the rest of the team had, that remained behind. Yeah,
1: yeah you had to be compassionate. And and I feel that compassion for the people, uh, if you do have to let them go. And uh yeah. you know, and it's 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 just really hard it's so hard. You're going to lose a lot of sleep over this. You're going to, you're thinking I'm jeopardizing the future of my business, but I'm jeopardizing the future of my business if I don't reduce my expenses. And, you know, this kind of then brings us to the last point uh, that we want to talk about cash is king. But before we do that, let's, let's do a quick summarize. First of all, we talked about running your business more efficiently That means this is not necessarily uh, the time to put in place all the latest marketing gimmicks that you wanted to and start that new TikTok video channel that you wanted (laughs) to drive new leads. If that's going to take you away from focusing on running your projects profitably and getting them completed and getting new sales.
2: Number Back burner than non-revenue drivers. Yeah. Back burner than non-revenue drivers for now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The second, have a backup plan. Know where you can go to that you believe is your base case of operational integrity. It may not be right. where you, you may not be making as much money. As a matter of fact, nobody may be making as much money as they were. But you're still mm-hmm. a going concern and you're building for a better future. And look, I'm a little older. You all see this gray hair if you're watching this on the uh, buildshow.com channel. I have been through this so many times, it's crazy. I've seen it happen over and over again. It'll happen again and we will get through it again. And so really all that means is Become an all-star in getting through it. That's what you need to be thinking about. Don't be thinking about, oh, woe is me. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Don't listen to all the noise and racket on social media. Think about what does an all-star business do when the times get tough and it gets a little harder. Right, right. So we talked about that. We talked about the cost of trimming the team. Everyone will always say, I can't let go of any of these people. I'm jeopardizing everything I built. Uh, Those words are engraved on the tombstones of failed businesses in cyclical industries like construction. That's why you have to have a plan. Your plan has to show your worst case operational scenario and what you got to do to get there, okay? So after we've talked about those three things, the dual rev- the, the revenue drivers versus cutting expense where you're not making any money on yeah. it, two business plans, two budgets, understand the real cost of trimming the team. There's one last thing. And I'll tell you, I've been working on it for months now. Cash is king. Get yeah. rid of your debt. Pile the money up in the bank and
2: get ready. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit cliche to say that, you know, we've all heard that adage for years, but, but uh, now is the time where you, you really do want cash reserves, hard cash or cash equivalents. Um, This is, as I, we've kind of been alluding to, this could be a war of attrition. Right. You're not necessarily trying to grow or expand or innovate. You're trying to get through, you're trying to get across the chasm. So you can be one of the select few businesses who does that and then enjoys, if we look at history, usually huge prosperity on the other side of it. Why? Because the market gets going again. And guess what? 40% of your competition, the flyby nighters, the people who you kind of despise bidding against because they lowball you, they're gone. So to do that, one of the best things you can have is cash. Um, Do not run your business or your life at max right now. And if you can stretch for it, this might seem ambitious to a lot of people listening, but if you can stretch for it, try to keep 10% of your annual revenue away as a cash reserve. Uh, this This would be like a good baseline to have. If you run a business where you have a very large number, you have a huge AR numbers month to month, that that could be that could be even higher than 10 percent because you'll need to float longer periods of time and 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 steeper payrolls and more expenses, et cetera. So on that note, the, this is what I've been saying to a lot of um, a lot of members: like no shiny objects this year. Okay. Do you need the new F1 F150? Probably not. Can you get by without splurging on that new boom lift that you were excited about? Do you need to buy new sprayers for your paint crew? Do you need to upgrade everything or could you batten down the hatches and wait till next year or beyond to do that do that stuff? As an entrepreneur it's very very difficult to be disciplined on this stuff because There are no list of shiny objects that are being marketed and sold to you on any given day. And yes, you can technically justify them as a business expense. um, But are they strategically planned for capital investment or are they just a nice to have that you pick up partway through the year because you feel like it? So those are good questions to ask yourself right now. And I would err on the side of caution. Um, Don't, don't don't make those splashy fun purchases this year. Try to be disciplined because cash is king, and you're going to need it. You might need it. We'll see. But, yeah, you know, that's a good yeah. Go ahead.
1: Well, no, I mean the the thing to think about here is that we are there's there's a tremendous amount of debate about whether or not we're in a depression, uh, right. not a depression or recession. I'm sorry. Hope hope nobody passed out. Uh, But here's the deal. You are investing by taking these steps. Now you're actually investing in being one of the companies that's still going to be there uh, when the recovery comes and that's going to be your opportunity to invest, to increase the size of your team, to increase the size of the footprint of the company. Uh, So, if you, It's kind of an orthogonal way to think about this, but you're really investing in your future by surviving this kind of event right now. The companies that come out of this are the companies that will be really strong as we uh, go forward into our next growth cycle.
2: That's a very, very good piece of advice and a good bit of perspective shifting what you just said there is really important. Look at this as an investment in your future because it absolutely is. And I, like, I guess I would maybe uh, just, maybe a closing thought from me on this, going back to what we talked about earlier, try not to get stuck in the quagmire of negativity and fear around this. And I have a question I want to ask you in a second. If you look at the history on this, you look at a chart for the last hundred years, It is a mathematical certainty that you will have to navigate a market that isn't as favorable. If you're planning on doing this for any period of time at all, that is guaranteed. I would also say, right, our little niche, construction, uh, trades, et cetera, development, et cetera, Uh, You know, we have a housing crisis here in North America that is so pronounced that it would take the top 100 builders in the U.S. to double their production for a decade just to catch up. So the demand for what you and your business does is there. A recession doesn't mean that the tap gets turned off and there's no business and, 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 and people are in the streets overnight. It just means that it's a more competitive environment. Um, and so I am actually, compared to other industries, I'm somewhat bullish. I'm actually pretty optimistic about how construction and trades will fare compared to other industries. Steve, you're like you mentioned, you, you've been through this a number of times. What advice would you have for maybe a younger business owner, someone that started five years ago? has never operated through a chapter like this. They've really just kind of enjoyed a a pretty bubbling, a pretty frothy economy since they started their business. What advice would you have for someone younger that is kind of freaked out by this right now?
1: I'd say you better, uh, really tighten up your ability to understand the financial position of your company and the strength of your backlog, because here's what's going to happen. Um, and we're already seeing it for example in the in the uh in the used home market uh so resales of homes we've gone in austin from 99 plus percent receiving and closing an offer higher than asking right and we've already now swapped around on that and now house after house is going for less than asking so that's kind of the that's kind of the first early wave breaking that we see. Uh, the next thing you'll see is less deal flow. The next thing you're going to see is the people who aren't masters of their own future, meaning they're either leveraged or they don't understand their cash flow. Uh, they don't have, uh, working capital of adequate need of adequate amount to meet their needs of, uh, running the business profitably. If you're in that situation and you don't, you you know, I can tell you, I know exactly where we are every day. I know what this place costs for every month that we run it. And I know pretty much where I'd start cutting if I had to. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, That's where you've got to be, because let me tell you, here's the next thing that's coming. You're going to start seeing sales opportunities, but it's going to become price sensitive. And you ought to talk about that a minute, Benji. How do you help these people uh, that you just mentioned uh, understand when to drop price, when to take a lower margin job because you need the job, what the impact of that is, but how to avoid doing unprofitable work. Because if you don't know what it takes you to make a profit or at least break even, and you get into a limbo contest to see how low you can take your margin on a job just because you hadn't closed a deal, you're in yeah. big trouble.
2: Yeah, that's that's not a dance you want to get into. And I am a proponent of... you there's a time and a place for maybe some careful trimming here and there when it comes to, uh, you know, m- maybe you have a tolerance for a low, lower margin on a project or a development, but that, that really is a last, that's one of the last resorts I, I would, um, I, I would not, that would not be one of the first levers I try to pull because your gross profit is just, the lifeblood of the entire organization and you start to eat into that and everything becomes exceptionally difficult. One thing that I would advocate though is, um, uh, you know, if if you have, uh, if, if you have listeners that are, you know, into sales or they've done sales training or been to sales conferences, like I have, one of the things that gets talked about all the time is this idea of upselling while well, you get them into the, the fancier trim package, you get them into a better bathroom, try to upsell them on their, their package for the kitchen, et cetera. In times like this, I'd actually encourage people to just do the opposite and embrace some level of downselling. So you are still building value into a proposal, into a quote. Uh you are you are protecting your margin by simply not not, not lowering prices, but instead changing the entire orientation of the bid you're putting together to cater to a more price sensitive, uh, a more price sensitive consumer, that will be one way to simultaneously meet the the buyer where they're at, where they're kind of scrimping a little bit while protecting your margins as well. So your pricing is something I would, one of the last levers I would pull. It's something that you can do when you absolutely need to. And if you do need to try to downsell in such a way that your your margin is padded while meeting the needs of the consumer.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Just uh, recognize yeah. that uh, you know, look, it, look at look at what product you're building. If you're building a million dollar house, including dirt, and right. uh, and and mortgage rates go up a percent, and a typical uh, home loan on a million dollar home is. In your area, maybe it's 800K, maybe it's 650K, whatever it is. Understand what a half to a 1% move in the mortgage market does to that monthly payment and how many people just went from being a buyer to not being a buyer. And start figuring out with your trades and your suppliers how to take a little true cost out of the job. Instead yes. of leading by taking your margins down, right? Builders right. all have pretty low margins. There's other it, it, there's other businesses that make more money uh, in terms of gross right. margin than home building. Okay, that oh, doesn't yeah. mean that this isn't a great business, but it is a business that punishes you if you don't understand your financials and. You need to understand those as well as you understand uh, framing a house. And if you do, uh, I think you'll be very successful as you move through this.
2: You know, on that note, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll just mention again, check out that budget tool that we've included in this episode. If you're a little lost when it comes to financial tracking and you want like an easy, nice place to start, go download that. It's a it's a it's a great framework for someone starting out uh, on the quest to improve their financial tracking in the pursuit of getting through whatever it is that we're about to go through. Um, It's it's, it's a nice place to start. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, even if it doesn't get any worse than
1: this and it immediately starts getting better, this is kind of like a preventive diet before you go on vacation. So it's worth doing. Totally. Totally. <laughs> well, look, Benji, thank you for joining us here today. And I want to I close with just one comment. The reason we have Breakthrough Academy on our Business of Building pod, podcast series is that we think this kind of information is super helpful to our audience. And we really appreciate you bringing it forward. And what I want to say to our audience is, don't think you got to figure this all out on your own. And, and don't start reading uh, a basic accounting book at 9.30 tonight. Get some help. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that's going to happen to you if you do that is you're going to go sleep.
0: Go to sleep. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which could be – that could be okay. But look at these opportunities to go get the training and the information you need. It may not be your favorite thing as a young builder, but it's going to be a very important thing.
2: You'll learn to love it in time. It turns out people actually really like making money. So once they kind of get the reward system in place, it 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 starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy and as daunting it is when you start, it you start to build momentum where this is concerned pretty quickly and we have case case study after case study after case study of entrepreneur builder who was totally data blind and hated financial tracking. And now they're literally the CEO of their own CFO rather of their large company and running it, uh, running it, you know, in a very, very dialed in fashion, tracking everything down to the, the, the dollar and cents. So I, I appreciate you saying that there's resources out there to help with this. And, uh, we're, we're one of them. So, uh, I just would thank you for having us on and, and we're very excited about our relationship with build show. And, um, And hang in there, guys. We're going to be okay. This isn't going to be as bad as everyone makes it sound. We will be okay. And we'll be with you through it.
1: Thank you, Benji. And thank you, listeners. See ya.